0: At least figure out what success means to you. It it should be different for all of us, and there's no judgment. But you can't get to your definition of success if you haven't defined it. Define what success is. Otherwise, you just log week after week of working, paying bills, and getting closer to death. Welcome to Ultra Habits, here... We go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living.
1: Hey folks, it is RJ Singh here and thank you for joining us on another week where we are bringing to you Jack Daly. Now Jack, you may remember, was a guest on season two where we talked about all things sales and sales habits but what many of you may know that know jack and those of you that don't know jack should know is that this man embodies ultra habits now he's written a new book called life by design and it's exactly that how can an individual actually live a life according to their own plans their own rhythms and their own goals and how can you craft your life in a way which delivers on your own true north now it's very difficult in today's world where we've got responsibilities we've got mortgages we've got people we've got places and things yelling at us how do we stay firm and focused in our resolution to complete our own goals and ultimately live and move towards our own dreams now jack has become a friend someone i confide in uh, I think we're kindred spirits we've have a natural style when we talk, which really lends to deep conversation. And in fact, we're going to continue to have more conversations because I just realized how much Jack not only adds value to the community, but to me. Uh, so, look, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. He's just released his new book called Life by Design. It's on Audible. It's on paperback. It's you know, it's available on all forums. You can go to his website. Everything will be in the show notes, but I really hope you take a lot out of this conversation because ultimately we have a limited time on this earth. Right, For all we know, this is the one life we have. And Jack really offers a guideline, a framework as to how we can capture, as he says, and ultimately get to every piece of meat on the bone that is available within this life. I'm going to leave you now in the capable hands of Jack. If you haven't yet, please go to ultrahabits.co, sign up. You'll get some wonderful information, some newsletters, you'll get some blogs, stuff that's going to keep you at the top of your game. Anyways, folks, I'm out of here. Peace out. Jack, welcome to Ultra Habits. This is round two. This is the first time we've ever had anyone on the show twice. And we are truly blessed to have you back. Talking about something a little bit different this time, everything you know we were discussing before was everything sales, sales process, sales habits. Today, we're talking about life by design, Jack, and I really want to unpack what this is and why you've decided to do this. So first of all, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
0: Big, big virtual hug going out to you right now. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I don't bullshit anybody. And, uh, I told you straight away the last time that we talked that this is a space that you belong in because I do a lot of podcasts that this is my second today. I have one more, uh, later on today. I did two yesterday and, um, and, and you're the best, uh, you, you're, you're, you're asked the right questions. You go deep, um, unpack. Uh, and, uh, and that's just thrilling for me. So the, the, the ability to come back a second time is, uh, is very much I'm thankful for, but there's a reason for that. And as you said, um, I'm in a different space than uh, the sales space with my new book. And it's an exciting space for me to be in.
1: So why now, Jack, like what has brought you to this space where you want to share life by design like what's prompted this
0: well a lot of things so um uh first thing i would tell you is i've i've always intended on writing this book and this book is this book um jack daly's life by design and um and it it was at some point in time i'm going to have packed in enough in my life that was led intentionally since the age of 13, that I will be able to impact in a positive way so many other people's lives, not on the business side, but how to suck the marrow out of life personally, right? And, and two years ago, uh, what happened is the world locked us into our homes with a pandemic. And I said, well, if I'm not traveling and I'm stuck at home, uh, I've got more time on my hands than I've had in a long time. Why don't I sit down and write the book that I've thought, always thought about writing, which is Life by Design? And so that was one of the catalysts. Then we locked down here in the States in March. In April, and believe it or not, it was April Fool's Day, the 1st of April. Uh, uh, the doctors diagnosed that I had a stage three a malignant melanoma on the top of my head. And so within two weeks, while everybody was in fear of going out of their home, I had to be rushed to the hospital. They took uh, the equivalent of the size of the palm of my hand off of the top of my head, about an eighth of an inch thick, and declared that it was out and done. I didn't need chemo. I didn't need radiation or any of that type of thing. But it further um, shook me up to the point of, well, if I'm going to leave a legacy book, Um, damn, I don't know what's coming at me. I better get busy and write this sucker. Right. So, uh, so that was a catalyst as well. So the desire to share the processes that work for me, um, and, and use the time that was afforded to me in the pandemic and then getting a little jolt on, uh, on, on, on cancer, uh, that combo was the cocktail that produced the book.
1: And this is part of the reason why I love you, Jack. I think You have an ability to bend reality to suit you. There is intentionality that you have that is extremely uncommon. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, maybe Jack was born with this. And maybe you were born with some of it. But how did you and when did you start to recognize that you could bend reality to suit you?
0: Yeah. So, so a critical number in my life is 13. Uh, and you know, I tell the story in the book, uh, I'm the oldest of five kids and we're all still alive. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and, uh, I came from a family that at, at best would be characterized as blue collar uh, to put some, put it in perspective, my brother's three years younger than I am. And then we have three sisters. My brother's three years younger than I am. I don't think he ever had his own clothes like bought for him. Hand-me-downs, right? Uh and uh and and so we were my dad worked six days a week to put food on the table and and house his family. Um uh, and I took a job as a caddy at a country club. And within a week, I realized these guys were playing golf during the week and the weekend, they were driving nice cars, recent vintage, hell, I, I big houses, estate homes. And you know, we're, we're our car has got 200,000 miles on it and the garage getting fixed and and we're wearing hand-me-downs and, and my dad ain't playing any golf. Uh, sure. <laughs> and, and so I said, well, wait a second, there are people living a better life than my dad and me. And if I wanted, if, if I could choose, I would I would choose these guys. So I decided to interview them. So I spent a summer uh, carrying their golf bags and interviewing them as I walked the golf course. I had a list of questions. Everybody got the same questions. How'd you become so successful? What would you do different? What What, what were the five biggest things that caused you to be successful? What advice would you give a 13 year old? What would you tell me to do? What would you tell me not to do? And I, I just want you to envision you you being the golfer and, and getting barraged for four hours by this kid asking questions, you go into the clubhouse to get a beer, and you see a maid of were and you, and you go, hey, if you ever, ever had that daily kid carry your bag? Oh, shit, did he ask you the questions? And I, I got to tell you, the members all just embraced me. And uh, and and so let me give you the biggest takeaway I got in those interviews. Here Here's what I heard so many people tell me you got to have goals. They don't count unless they're in writing. Um, You can't pick too many. you got to hang a date or some evidence of what it's going to get done and share them with a lot of people to increase the accountability. So I sat down and I came up with four goals that I was going to get completed by the age of 30 because 30 seemed like it was really far away. Uh, you know, at 73, 30 seems like it's far away again. Uh, but um, and and then I I said, here's what's going to give evidence of it being complete. So one was financial. What am I going to look like financially? How much am I going to be making a year at 30 years old? Uh, what's my net worth going to be? Uh, what do I want to do professionally? I want to be the CEO of a company, national in size, in the money business? What do I want to look like education wise and what do I want my family to look like? And if I could paint the picture in those four goals of what I want it to look like at 30, then all I need to do is work it backwards, right? What do I need to do between 29 and 30, 28, 29? So what do I need to do between 13 and 14 in each one of those four boxes of my life? What I'm here to tell you is that I have been following that process for 60 consecutive years. I have all of my workbooks, all of the templates, they're all filled in. And at least 100 pages of this book are the templates for people to use, and they can see the ones that I filled in over different years to enable me to lead this unbelievable life. Unbelievable. It's it's intentionality, just like you
1: said. I want to reflect on your time as a kid with these uh, these wealthy folks that were playing golf. You know, I think a lot of people think the, the harder way is, you know, running a business. Uh, you know, like, it, obviously, there's pressure and there's higher perceived risk. But I'm of the view that the harder way is trading time for money all the time and being kind of stuck in a scenario where you live and die by your, you know, you're on the trade or, you know, my dad was a, they had a cleaning company and I watched how hard he worked to kind of get somewhere. Where do you think, or how do you think people that have this view that being a worker kind of trading time for money is safer than going out and having a crack for yourself like do you think we're sold that message like how do you think someone transcends
0: what i think is quite a limiting belief that is a magical question it came naturally to you and it doesn't come naturally to most we are sold, we are sold a bill of goods early in life, fit in the box. You know, when you're, when you're a, a kindergartner, when you're a first grader, you're encouraged to say uh, by your parents, what do you want to be in life? And whatever you come up with, you're encouraged. And by the time you're in fifth grade uh, and you're 10 or 11 years old, uh, the system's beating those things things out of you. Well, you need to be more practical. You you, you need to be you need to, you need to stay inside the lines. You know, by the time you're 15, oh my God, you, you're like you, you're you're an extremist if you were to start talking about this what they perceive to be fantasy type stuff. Uh, so that's that's the greatest impediment, and you nailed it. But I would also tell you that. We all have to take some responsibility and not blame it on the system. And the, and the personal responsibility is too many of us are too concerned with our peers' uh, opinions about us, how we fit in with the in crowd. Let me, let me give you an example. I mentioned my brother, Joe. He's three years younger than I am. We were in the same high school. I was a senior and he was a freshman people knew me as joe daly's brother now hold on a second here if i'm the senior shouldn't people say you're jack daly's brother right how does that happen well joe all he wanted was to be in the in crowd he wanted to be liked by everybody he would do the things that everyone around him would encourage. Right? So I watched him, we shared a bedroom. I watched him every night, teach himself how to smoke a cigarette. He hated it. He kept spitting out every puff uh, and he just said, I'll find a way to get this so that it comes natural to me. Cause then I can sit around at the breaks and take a smoke. Right? I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Right? I've never been the cool guy. And, and, and because of that, let me just say that out of 275 kids that graduated in high school on my year, I knew less than 10 because if they weren't going to contribute to one of those four goals, I didn't invest my time with them. Now, let's fast forward. Mr. Popularity Joe, he's never owned a home. He's 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 never read a book. Um, He's he's never gone anywhere in terms of his personal professional life type of thing. He's 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 had several jobs working in the system and in the union and fired uh, and his health condition is horrific. Uh, You know, I mean, a two to three pack a day guy, uh, he's fortunate to be even alive right now. So so I, 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 I don't march to the drum of the people around me. I don't worry about whether I'm Mr. Popularity and I don't worry about fitting into the system. And, you know, it, 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 an awful lot of entrepreneurs come to me and ask me to invest in their company. And I have done a few of those things. But I learned quickly if I were to choose who to invest in, you or me, I probably ought to invest in me. I mean, I'm the safest bet in town. Well, when you go and take a job somewhere, um, you're betting on them. Now, you could be the hardest worker with the brightest mind, delivering the best value. And one day, some guy just walks in and says, you know, the company's having difficulty. You're fired. Well, I I, I mean, is that safety? How about working in the same company for 25 years and somebody just, uh, just says, you know, it's not your day? We're like, you go today. I, 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 you know what? I, I, I'm going to bet on me. And and I bet on me when I was 13. I've been betting on me ever since. I think that's the safest bet in town.
1: Something comes to mind there um, by a fellow Philadelphia resident, inhabitant, uh, Will Smith. He, it was a quote he said. He goes, I paraphrase. You may be better than me. You may have more talent than me, but if we jump on a treadmill together, either either I'm dying, or I'm or I'm dying, or you're coming. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and what you're referring to is absolute confidence in your ability to work through anything, right? Like, you're you you just know you have absolute confidence not false confidence, but real confidence that you're going to back yourself in and get it done.
0: Look, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. So I, I, I was one of the most high-profile guys in the business world in, in, in the USA uh, in, my, in my 40s. Uh, everybody knew me in the financial sector in the United States. Uh, and I, I had all of the perks with it. You know, um, I had My own plane, a hel- helicopter, my chef, my chauffeur. I gave all of that up to switch over into the speaking business. And I became the starving speaker. And I didn't change my lifestyle and I'm eating into my capital personally. And I turned to my wife who had been with me since I was 16, we got married at 20. And I said, "Bon, uh, you know, it, 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 look, m- maybe this is not the right thing for me because I'm working crazy hours and I'm not making anywhere near the money I was making before and maybe this is just not my, my, my space. And uh, she looked at me and said, you know, you're really, really funny to me uh, that you're actually giving me that offer when you know that I'm not going to accept it. Um, She said, all I want you to do is be happy. And you're this is the space that you've decided to be happy in. And I met you when you had nothing. And um, I got to believe that if you lost everything, um, you're a lot smarter now than you were. And so you'll figure it out. You always figured it out. So go play in the sandbox that you choose to play in and, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone and you'll figure it out. And within two years after that, I figured it out. Right. Um, and, and, and you know, a, a big word in life, quite frankly, is grit. G R I T. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, that, that, that's where I'm at. And you know what, if, if, if it isn't going to work and it's not working, then we, then we navigate around it and figure out how do we're going to make wherever we're going to work. But but I'm I'm going I'm going to set the sail in my ship. I I I got a better belief in me than than some other character running the business. How does an individual develop what you're talking about
1: is real self confidence, real self efficacy, versus what we see. A lot in today's society, which is this false sense of social media confidence and bravado. Like, how does someone develop that absolute knowing, Jack, in themselves that they're just going to handle shit? Like, where, you know,
0: like where? How do they get there? Uh, I, I, you know what? Whether this whether this is real or whether I fictionalized it into a belief, but here is where I am. No downside. There's no downside. There is absolutely no downside. So, so let, let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I was in a program called college prep. And in junior year, this guidance counselor gave me my schedule for junior year, and it said I had chemistry and trig. And I'm looking at the schedule one, chemistry and trig is going to add no value to my goal to be a CEO of a financial company by the age of 30. But business law and bookkeeping, uh, those two would and those were in the school program and so i went to the guidance counselor and said i don't want i'm going to trade these out and he said well that's not in the college prep program and uh that's for the secretarial program and i'm like well it just makes (laughs) sense to me so so i went home to my dad and i said you know we're, we're paying for this education it was funny he stopped me and said. Really? Are we? How much are you contributing? <laughs> and I said, "Well, okay,
1: you're paying for this thing." I, I wait, Jack, you're a good salesman. You use the we word.
0: <laughs> and, and so, so I said, "We need to go in and and pitch this to the to the uh, uh, principal." Uh, and and I can't go by myself because I won't get the job done, and I won't get the appointment. So we make the appointment. We go in, and I tell the principal the same story. And you know what? The principal said. There isn't one out of a thousand kids that has his shit together like you do. Uh, And so chemistry and trigger out and business law and bookkeeping are in right now. Freshman year of college. The book they used for accounting 101 and business law 101 were the books I used in business law and bookkeeping in high school. Those dudes didn't know that. So I'm repeat student. I ace the courses. They think I'm brilliant. The guys with chemistry and trigger are struggling with the accounting 101, right? And so it set the mark for me to have continued success in college. Now, here's the point, though. If I walked into that principal and the principal said, no, you're taking chemistry and trig, I'm still back at the place I was originally. So there's no downside. There's no downside in going for it. The worst that you can end up is the place that you currently are. Yes, your
1: relationship to uh, failure is different to most. And I think that's what I'm getting at. I think like your relationship to the downside is quite different because you see, well, maybe you're an optimist, but you see the potential and you go all in and you close the door behind you right yeah
0: look the classic example is carnegie he said i didn't fail what i just proved ten thousand times that that's not the way to work a light bulb like like i'm I'm, I'm good with it anybody that has success in life that 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 tells you they never made a mistake or they they didn't you know fail or whatever like we all have but you know what um you you just get up and, and 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 start anew you just Move forward. I, look, this pandemic has caused a whole lot of people to to ca- get caught up in in the pandemic as a reason why they can't get stuff done. Uh, and that's self inflicted. I have clients that are having their best years ever, and it's not because they happen to be in a space that's pandemic friendly. They just they just learn to be able to navigate through it better than the ones that were crying in their beer. Uh, the, the, speaker industry, I mean, look at, as a speaker, um, you, you travel worldwide and you speak to large groups of people. Well, the pandemic shut that whole thing down, but I've had the, I've had some of the best years in the last two years in my entire career. I, I, I built a studio in my home for virtual programs. We were locked down in March of 2020. In June of 2020, I set a Guinness world record. For the largest virtual business uh, presentation of twenty one thousand two hundred and sixty one people. I mean, what? You know, you know, look, <laughs> you know, you can you can figure it out, right? Um, I'm delivering I, I, when I'm doing live gigs. A maximum is a hundred per year. I'm not going to do more than a hundred. I don't want to be in a hotel for my life. I did seventeen virtual programs in January. There, there's no way I would have done 17 live gigs in January. And and, and I converted my open to the public buy a seat at deals where there used to be people would just drive in from their homes. I'm doing them virtually. Last month, I have one next week. Last month, uh, I had 70 people there. They were for 15 states in the US and seven countries. Uh, they're done from 830 to 1230 in the morning Pacific Coast time. I had uh, three guys from Australia in Sydney there. I said, hey guys, what time is it there? He said it's 2.30 in the morning. They were gonna be there from 2.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. If I was doing them live, they would have never been there. The seven countries wouldn't have been there. Um, I'm not going back. I, ma- I made that situation into a winner for me. While the other speakers said, I gotta go collect unemployment because I can't find any gigs. Do you think, just just with
1: that, do you feel, because uh, it's scalable, yes, do you feel that the audience gets the full Jack Daly effect? Like, do you find it harder through
0: the tech? They're telling me, they're telling me absolutely no question about it. I just did one for four hours this morning. Uh, I, I was up at 5 a.m. in front of a group in Toronto, which is three hours difference to me. At the end, there were people that saw me live three years ago and said, we think you're even better than you are <laughs> in your, <space. laughs> in your own living room. <laughs> I'm in my studio talking to the size of a camera that's about the size of a soda pop can, right? And there's no one else in the room. I'm spitting, I'm screaming, I'm sweating. I've I just fictionalized there's a thousand people here today. Let's go. Oh, your energy is phenomenal. So, 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 so everybody's telling me I didn't need to commute. I got a front row seat. You're completely animated. And this rocks. Don't go back to the live. This is what they're telling me. Now, I can tell you that on Monday I was in Las Vegas and did a live gig. I loved it. And that was great. And a week before I was in Fort Lauderdale and I did another one and that was great. And so I, I still enjoy the live gigs, but you put the butts in the seats. On the deals where I got to put butts and seats, put the butts and seats virtually. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just walk from my bedroom over to the studio and Jack Daly live. Hey, by the way, how about this? Instead of me traveling to DC uh, for for a full day to deliver the program, I walk seven steps from my bedroom to the studio. I deliver a four hour program. I'm done at twelve thirty. I grab a quick lunch. I'm on the golf course in the afternoon. Pinch me.
1: Excellent, isn't it? You wish you had this in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: But but back, but back to this, right? So this is saying the same approach that we use in business can be used in your personal life. And uh, we put a new website up, and it's called Jack Daly's Life by Design dot com. And in this book. There is a hundred plus pages of appendix with with all of the templates filled in and blank. And we just put them all up on the website and said, you can download all that stuff. You don't need to buy the book. And if you can figure out how to fill them in, fill them in. But people are underplaying their hand on what they can do in their life. I mean, you know, I tell the story, I wanted to fly a jet fighter plane. I got no flying lessons. I've never been given a flight lesson. I flew a jet fighter plane just because I put it on my list of things to do in life.
1: I want to talk about your your list. So I've been thinking about it lately, you know, you're you're very specific and there's time bound uh and you know you're you're measuring these goals. I reflect on myself like I have always moved towards and experimented with different avenues and I'm quite agile so like I test a lot of things and then I kind of sit with it and see how it feels however I've never actually written down anything and 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 I'm pretty disciplined it's the only thing that I haven't really taken as advice from people like yourself right like I've always kind of tested things sat with it and 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 then kind of experiment and move and groove is appropriately uh is required. The question I have with your your goals and how specific you are, how agile are you? And do they actually change? And do you realize maybe something is not as relevant as it might have been when you originally created it? And how do you then let yourself off the hook? Because I imagine once it makes your list, you're pretty committed to it. Like, how do you then know, well, look, this shit's probably not going to serve me. Hey guys, just wanted to quickly thank you for watching or listening to our show. It's through your continued support that we are able to scale this thing the way we have And If you haven't already, please go to www. UltraHabits.co. Keep up to date with everything that we are doing, everything we are going to do, and you will find some really interesting information there that will help you
0: with your habits. Anyways, back to the show, guys. Enjoy. Great, great question. I would estimate that ninety-five percent of everything I write down in my goals gets completed, uh, and I, and quite frankly, I, I'm disappointed about the 5%, right? But, but but I'm, I'm, and I talk about this in the book as well. Uh, life happens, shit happens, right? Uh, so I, I wanted to run 100 marathons and I had 95 done. And the year of the pandemic, I was supposed to do the next five. However, in the first month of the year, prior to the pandemic uh, enveloping us, I slipped on a step and severed my quad tendon and I had to be operated on and then go through a massive recovery. And there was no way that I could do those five. And so shit happens. So I put them on the list to be done the following year. And in November of this past year, I ran my hundredth marathon in Athens, Greece where the original marathon was run. So I shifted that particular, um, a goal and said, you know what, I I can only do what I can do. It wasn't possible to do that in the year that I planned on because of a severed content and followed up by the pandemic and lockdown where races were canceled and so forth. Um, so, uh, this year, uh, I, 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 I I'm already behind and will not catch up. I said to my wife, I'm done with marathoning. And she was like, (laughs) I'm like, I did 100. I did one on all 50 states. I did one on all the seven continents. And I finished in Athens. There's no reason for me to do more. I've got other things I want to do in life. So I put my goals together for this year. You can go on my website and see them. And it says I'm going to run a half marathon every week. And she looks at it and she goes, I thought you were giving this stuff up. And I said, I said I wasn't going to do a marathon anymore. I'm just going to do a half marathon every week. You're a lunatic. (laughs) Because, Because a half is a lot easier than a full. So I ran my first one in the first week of January, and I set a PR. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. If I run one second faster each week, I could set 52 PRs. So, I started doing that. I ran five weeks in a row and set five PRs. And all of a sudden, my sixth week, I ran out of gas. Now, I mentioned that I'm in a cancer treatment program and I'm eight months into chemo and I've lost my endurance. And I went to my doctors and said, I'm really struggling on this half marathon a week. And they looked at me and said, um, you, you've raised the bar too high. You, you can't be doing it at that level because this chemo is cumulative and you're raising the bar performance wise and your body is taking a hit every six weeks, every time we infuse this, this chemical into you. And so, um, you're just going to have to pass on that and you can call it doctor's orders. So that's, that's gone, right? Uh, and, and so I, I said, okay, well, let's look for a replacement and we're looking for replacements and we're plugging it in. So, uh, I'm doing more rowing on my rower, uh, than I was, than I was scheduled to do. So I'm going to exceed, I'm going to crush the rowing goal and I'm going to underperform on the half marathon. You've
1: basically augmented the, the finish line, so to speak, but you're still performing.
0: Yeah. Yep. You know, I just published on social media at the end of February, my two months results. And on the physical side, uh, compared to last year, year to year comparison, uh, I'm lagging on a bunch of metrics, but it's because of the chemo. And um, and so but 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 I've got other areas where I've excelled and did more because I'm playing the offset game. Uh, and, And and this is a tough year for me. Uh, I'm not used to not ticking more of the boxes, so I won't be 95% this year. Um, but I'll be, I'll, be, I'll, I'll guarantee you this. I'll be damn further along than most everybody on this planet. That's what I know. Right?
1: Mm, and, and I think that's the messaging. Like you shoot for the stars, you hit the sky, right? And if you're playing in a competitive landscape and, you know, which is relevant for your business community, and that really leads me to the next question i wanted to ask you life by design how important is it that to really live a life by your own design that you from a work perspective control your own destiny like is it easy for let's say an employee of a company or like a laborer to really live a life by design or is it relative to their circumstances so the answer may be yes but it's relative i, I just want to know like how much this financial independence and all this really come into play when you're considering living,
0: living life by design i'm just hugging you right now major, <laughs> major hugging you gosh darn it oh my god i just want to give you a big succulent kiss uh like here's the deal so I used to play a a lot more golf than I play today, but I still play quite a bit. Uh, And I used to be regularly playing at Pebble Beach and I had my own regular caddy. And so uh, my caddy is walking along uh, Pebble Beach. We're on the we're on the 14th hole. And he said, uh, I want to tell you a story because he got to know me and what I'm about. And He said, I want to tell you a story. He says, um, e- every year, there's a major Fortune 500 company that hosts a t- tournament here at Pebble Beach, and I, I'm the guy that carries the CEO's bag, all for that that tournament. And and the guy says to me, uh, th- "I spend all year looking forward to this week. This is my favorite week of the year. The rest of the year, I've got all these responsibilities. I'm running this major company, blah blah blah. But this is my week to just let it all go." In this beautiful pebble beach and i get to be here for the week and and the caddy says so you know here's my story i spent 25 years in the military and i retired and you know i'm in my 40s um i play golf and i'm a good golfer I'm i go from the minus one to a plus one index that's that's a that's a stick right he belongs to the bayonet country club which is the military country club in monterey California." just down the road from Pebble Beach. He said, I play nearly every day. Three days a week, I come over and carry the bags here at Pebble because I love walking the grounds, and I get to meet interesting people like you. And uh, and so uh, I, I just want to tell you that you see that big home right there and this giant estate home sitting on the 14th fairway, par 5, dog leg to the right, overlooking the water. He said, that's owned by a, a widower. And she lost her husband a few years ago. She lives in Houston and spends about two weeks a year um, in that house. And then for the other 50 weeks, she hires me to house sit that house. And so he looked at me and he said, I just want to ask this question. That Fortune 500 CEO or me, who's more successful? bad you see we can all define success differently i don't think it has to do with money i i i i i think my daughter who is now 50 that hurts me to even say that but she is a super successful person but not in the way that you might judge success but she is tremendously successful she's lived her life by the design that she wants She's not wealthy. Uh, She doesn't have the things that I may have, all of that type of thing. But when I look at her life, I'm so proud of her because she sat down and figured out who she wants to be. She works out of her home in Charlottesville, Virginia, has two boys and a husband, and has complete flexibility and owns her own time. But she works for a Fortune 500 company who's headquartered in San Francisco that always wants her to move to San Francisco for increased positions out of 2000 managers in the company. One year she was deemed the manager of the year brought on stage in front of 2000, given a big bonus check and they love her and she could be climbing the career ladder, but she's chosen her definition of success. She's, she's walking the caddy walk and That's what I love. So, you know, what the book is about is at least figure out what success means to you. It, It should be different for all of us. And there's no judgment. But you can't get to your definition of success if you haven't defined it. Define what success is. Otherwise, you just log week after week of working, paying bills, and getting closer to death and then leave. And like I, I'm of the belief that there's one life on this planet that we get. Why would you decide to just let it happen instead of make it happen according to what you want? That's where I come from, right?
1: No, it's I've got young kids. Like I think what you've just explained is my primary purpose as a father is to help my son and daughter really develop and understand what success looks like for them in life and then having the confidence and courage to pursue it at maximum pace. You said a young, how young? I've got a four and a half and an 18-month daughter.
0: Okay, all right. So very young. Uh, You know, look, uh, people tell me, hey, I, I can't believe that at 13 you were interviewing successful people that blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm of the opinion that says it's never too early. You, you know, we, we, can, we can sit down with kids and we can start to groom them and give them tools, give them the confidence that, they, that they're not pigeonholed, let them know that it's okay to fail. You know, when, when, that, when that youngster is trying to learn to walk right now, they're falling a lot they're failing a lot mm-hmm. but they don't worry about it because they're joyful that they just bounce back up and try it again but but the but the but the school system's beat that out of us big time right
1: yeah it, it it's something that I, I i was actually talking to some of my staff with about yesterday like we've all been conditioned in a school system for the industrialized worker right like really that's what and how we've been programmed the 9 to 5 thing the way that we're studied it's a conveyor belt effectively to get us in a factory making shit right like it doesn't account for and ironically like if we could plug more people like you into the youth school systems you know the world has changed at pace but the way we educate our children hasn't it's still the same which is
0: interesting yeah. Right. Uh, look, it, you know, uh, 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 we see so many uh, people venturing out now because technology allows us to do things that we thought you could never do because you didn't have access to the tools, they were too expensive, all that. And we have people doing—they're hacking all over the place right now, and uh, and and giving birth to things that they're passionate about, and they're enjoying the hell out of the experience. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, it's not, it's not bad to work in inside the system. It's not bad to work at corporate. Um, uh, that's, that, that might be what success is for you. So I, like, I don't put anybody down in that regard as well. Uh, all I know is that I want to sit down and decide what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> You're still figuring that out too, Jack. Exactly. Hey, I, I, listen. I lost my wife of forty-seven years to cancer in two thousand seventeen. I'm now remarried to a client that was a client of mine for twenty plus years, and her name is Karen. And Karen owns and runs a successful eighty million dollar company, and um, she's been at the helm for thirty some years. And um, and 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 she said the nicest thing because she knew Bonnie for many years, and she said. You and Bonnie grew up together and you and I will grow old together. Okay. And, and, and what I said is, you know, that uh, my best years are ahead of me, not behind me. Like I am frothing at the mouth with so much energy about where my life is going forward. And I've led an exceptional life to date. But i'm not going to be held hostage to that because i'm now with a person that is a different personality not better just different than bonnie's that can open up an entirely different opportunities for me uh than it would have been right for bonnie and i and it's some exciting stuff coming up i've got ideas on books i've got ideas on different things that i'm going to be doing with with karen uh i've got a whole map of places that i want to go. I'm refueling my bucket list and my bucket list is extensive already and i'm i'm putting more stuff in on on an ongoing basis.
1: What i want to do is, you know, there's so much we could we can continue to talk about uh, Jack, i know your your story extensively. I've done a lot of research on you and i could talk to you about you know about different things for hours. I think landing this plane and really, bringing it home, as we do on this show, is to how we can habituate uh, the subject matter that our expert has. in this case, it's it's uh, life by design by Jack Daly. I think it could be summed up in your whole piece on how some individuals can optimize very well the one hundred and sixty eight hours they have a week. And you said in your book that, you can do this through systems, processes, and leverage. Can you break that down? Because I think that will highlight in quite detail as to how our audience can habituate some of this, own, uh, some of this stuff into their own lives.
0: That piece there is the foundation to enable you to live a life uh, that's beyond what is normal, right? If we can get that system and process and leverage right, so, so system and process. Uh, first of all, the 168 is that's the number of hours that we have in the week. That's just math: 24 hours a day times seven, right? So, how do I optimize this? And by the way, it gets worse when I start to think about eight hours a day I sleep. So I lost 56 right out of the gate. Then I got to eat, and then I got to get some exercise. And all of a sudden, I, I don't have a lot of hours to play with. I better be sure that I'm doing what I our best interests are, right? I don't, I, I, I can't afford to waste time. That's that's the mentality. So so Bonnie, I, 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 I would say to Bonnie, hey, let's go out tomorrow night for dinner. And I made a reservation for 7 p.m. And the restaurant is about 15 minutes away. So we need to leave by quarter to seven. So at 6.30 that next day, I'm saying, are, are you close to being ready? And she says, yes, I just have to find My keys. Well, we live in a very big house, and now we're going to go on an Easter egg hunt for damn keys. So I put a a set of hooks up at the entrance of our front door, and you put the keys there. So I never have to hear, I'm looking for the keys because I got 168 hours, and I can't afford to spend every other day looking for your damn keys. It's a system. It's a process. You walk in the house, you put the key on the rack, and we're good to go. We don't. We, I, we don't. want to be dealing with that. So, so if I look at it in the business context and my personal life, I'm a speaker that travels typically 200 to 300 thousand air miles a year. Uh, I, 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 I'm not any good on computers, so I'm not going to book my travel. The overwhelming majority of people that I compete with, the speakers, they book their own travel. Well, every moment that I'm sitting in front of a keyboard is an ineffective use of my time. So I have, a, I, have, I have leveraged an assistant to do that. And so one of the principles that I give is if you don't have an assistant, you are one, right? There are things that need to be done in your life, but not necessarily done by you. I just bought Karen a vintage a gift. It is a signed guitar by Lady Gaga. And four of her photos in a shadow box. And I said, you know, it needs to be hung up in our wine tasting room. And you're a busy person and I'm a busy person. And I don't, I don't know how to work a hammer. So go find somebody to hang this sucker. And she just called me right before your program. And said, I got somebody, he's coming over this afternoon and he's, you know, is a $200 minimum to hang the thing up. And I said, great, I've got two pieces for him to hang and it'll still be $200. And so uh, he's ready to go. So, so that's my assistant on getting that piece done. And I'm not going to fuss with it. I've got a big party I'm hosting here Friday night. Uh, so I, I wanted the windows to be washed. And so you know, I, we, we hired, hired a guy to do the windows. He just left two hours ago. The windows are spectacular. Didn't cost me any time for my 168, right? So, so what it allows me to do is spend my time in the space that I'm good at, that gives me the greatest return on investment in financial and in, in my mental aspect, where it brings me joy. What brings me joy? So I'm an endurance athlete and I love to exercise. If I get less than two hours on any given day, I'm a fidgety guy. So I, I got 168 each week. I got at least 14 hours that I need to kind of use for the exercise. good for my mental health and a lot of other attributes as well. Um, so I start doing these things and saying, well, I only have, I, I got to get this done. I got to th- these are the things that give me joy and this is what gives me my greatest return. And then, then we'll leverage it. We'll outsource it to somebody else. And one of the ways you outsource is, um, you just don't do it. You just stop doing it. Whatever, whatever it is that it is. I just, I, 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 I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> I just don't do. Um,
1: I, again, I'm, I'm so with you and there's, uh, like funny, like, I run trail. I I run long distances, but only trail and um, ultra ultras. And uh, I love being in the dirt. And one of the things that I've continually, <clears throat> historically outsourced is gardening. And then my wife, we moved into this new place. We've got a very old house in the mountains. It's got a veggie and uh, fruit garden. And I was stressed out. I was like, my wife's not going to do it. I'm going to end up having to outsource it. You know that whole thing, right? Like I'm already stressing out. And then I thought to myself, well. I like to put my feet in the dirt. Maybe I should put my hands in the dirt. And so I've started to slowly garden, although she doesn't really let me too much because she thinks I kind of destroy everything. But I guess the moral of the story is sometimes I'm with you. Like I outsource what I know doesn't add value. But the interesting thing with the garden, and I think the reason I'm telling you this story is I've started to realize, hey, I kind of do enjoy this, right? So maybe I'll look at doing that, right? So it's about you focus on your wheelhouse and what's the big ticket items and you really understand jack return on energy return on investment and i think part of that's because you're an accountant but you're also sales guy so you've got this real dynamic view i think is you really understand opportunity cost and you know what the implication is of doing all this shit that we don't and shouldn't be doing
0: yeah yeah but you know here's here's what we want to tie together for the people that are tuning in here it does the we're using terms that are familiar in business but not in personal life and what what, what i what i've made the conversion at an early age is i'm going to use the proven disciplines that worked in building a successful business in my personal life right that's that's very cool stuff uh you know um i i tell this in the book uh every five years uh i i i'd say i'm going to build a coffee table book of photos and i'm going to take at least one photo every day now I do this every five years. So, so I know when it's coming, when that year is, I do it at 50, 55, 60, 65, 70. So my next book will be when I'm 75. And, and so uh, about two years in advance, I have things on my bucket list that I hold back until I'm going to hit that year so that I can build this book. That's just magnificent. And people go through these books and it's one year of my life and they go, You've done more in one year than most people will do in their entire life. Well, that's intentional. And that was by design. And incidentally, the cute thing on this, before I go to bed each night, I think of what, based on my calendar tomorrow, what do I think my photo is gonna be tomorrow? And I go to bed excited about that photo. Then when I wake up in the morning, I say, okay, we're looking for that photo today but keep your eye out, there might be something better. And all day you're looking for, can I take my life up just a bit more than what it was? That's brilliant, Jack.
1: I think we'll we'll land it there. And uh, again, really appreciate your
0: time. Where can our audience find the new book? Yeah, so, so there's two places as, I, as I, well, there's probably three. So the book itself is on Amazon, obviously. Um, uh, the book is on my website which is jackdallyslifebydesign.com um and then it, the book audio wise is on uh you know on, on um the audible.com right and 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 the book is in my voice karen has some of the of the book in her voice uh on some of the things like testimonial letters and that type of thing um in fact many of your listeners probably know of uh, simon Sinek. and um, and I put Simon on the front cover. Uh, it, this is what he said: "Thank God Jack Daly exists. For decades, we hired Jack to teach us how to sell better. Yet, all the while, what he was actually teaching us was how to be better human beings. And and he nailed he nailed it. This is why I wrote the book. Thank you so much, Jack. Appreciate it. Oh, one more thing. Get this: um, my daughter uh, Melissa." was a high school English teacher at one point. She was an English major at college, graduated with an English major degree. Uh, I, I invited her to be the editor of the book. And so uh, she she edited the book. She lives in Virginia, I live in California. She's in transit today uh, on plane to get here today. I'll pick her up in a few hours. And on Friday, which is two days from now, I'm having a, a group of uh, 100 plus people at the house for dinner um, to celebrate uh, the book's release. And uh, and so it's a bit of a family affair. Yeah, right? it
1: is. Yeah, and it's such a, a beautiful way to bring the legacy together, Jack. Thank you. Take care, man. Good to see you. You too, mate.